Welcome to a Calvary Montclair Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will learn of Jesus, grow in Jesus, and share Jesus with other people. Service times are on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. For addresses and directions, please visit our website, www.cmontclair.com. We pray that you are blessed by the teaching of God's Word by Pastor Joe McTarsney. So today, we are in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to study chapter 14, and we're going to study verses 1 through 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. So let's pray and let's get into our Bible study for this day. Father, we praise you because you're so faithful. You are so good. You're so kind. You are so just, and you are our refuge. And and so, Lord, we know when, when troubles happen, we know where we're going to run to for refuge, and that's in you, Lord, in your presence. And I just thank you, Father, we can learn more about you this day as we study the scriptures. And I just thank you, Lord, your, your word never turns back void. It will always accomplish its purpose. So would you speak to us, Father? And for we, as your people, we have an ear. We want to hear what your spirit will, will say to us. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 14, reading verses 1 through 12. Paul writes to the people at Corinth and, and for us uh, this day. He writes, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies a church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, or prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. 
Now today we're going to take apart these 12 verses and we're going to learn six important instructions for the Corinthians, six important instructions for the Corinthians and for us in a very practical way today. The first point that we're going to be learning, the first important instruction that we're going to be applying to our lives, so it could be a takeaway for us, is, is found in verse 1. And it's, it's the first point is that we are called to pursue love and desire gifts. We're called to pursue love and desire gifts. Notice that with me in verse 1. Pursue love and, des- and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And so Paul is encouraging the people there at Corinth to, to pursue love. And he's doing so even as he just wrote to them in chapter 13, verse 13. Notice with me in chapter 13, verse 13, where it says, now, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest gift of all is love. And since that is true, Paul says, pursue it. Go after it. And these folks at at Corinth, Paul encourages them to pursue love because they were a group of people that were exercising lovelessness. They were exercising lovelessness. And and that was occurring in their midst of their church. And as a result of that, they had problems and, and strife. I submit to you when you have people or people group or congregation that have lovelessness, what that does, it creates or it births strife and division in that setting. So having love, the greatest gift of all, it is just so important. And may I encourage you, pray to God and say, God, may I be a loving person like you are a loving person. And God wants us to make and, and to be loving people. You see, the, the, the folks there at Corinth, their difficulty that they had during this time period is that they were obsessed about pursuing gifts. They were obsessed about pursuing gifts and at the expense of loving people. They were at, at, uh, in, in pursuit of gifts and, and, and not um, loving people. They had it backwards. They were pursuing gifts, desiring love. And Paul says, hey, let's switch this around. Pursue love, desire gifts. Don't, don't pursue gifts and desire love. And, and so Paul wants them to pursue love. Pursue love. What does the word pursue mean? Well, I looked up this word, and the word pursue means to hunt after or chase after with intensity. You are intentional about this. You are, um, you are one that says, I'm, I'm going to do this by the grace of God and the strength of the Lord. And so Paul is encouraging them. He's instructing them to chase after love, make it a priority in their life. And they, they, they are to, to make a conscious decision of their will each and every single day. And even as Paul encourages and instructs the Corinthians to pursue love, oh, the Lord is calling us to pursue love at the same time. May it be true of us. May it be true of us. And know this, throughout the day, throughout the day, and, and especially as, could you believe the holidays are right around the corner already? Yeah, fall is next week, right? And then it comes um, uh, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. And, then, and so you're going to be seeing some of your family members. You're like, oh, why do you have to bring that up in church? <laughs> and, and so you know what? They need to be loved. 
They, they, they need to be loved. And, and so may now the Lord equip us to, to pursue love. Because throughout the day and, and into the seasons that we're going to be um, in, encountering, we're going to have predicaments. We're going to have predicaments. And it's our choice to be unloving or loving. It's our choice. It is our choice to, to love people or not love people. And Paul would say, choose and pursue love for it's the most excellent way of life. It is the most excellent way of life. Okay, so what does love look, look like? How, you're saying pursue love, but what does that mean? What does it look like? Put some skin on it. Well, Paul actually does in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. And, and we went through this already. Love suffers long. So in other words, you, to, to pursue love means to be patient with people. Suffer long means to be patient with people. He says um, that love is kind. So it, it means that we make a conscious decision out of our will. It is a decision. It's not an emotion that we're saying, I'm going to be kind to people today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. But you're going to say, by God's grace and by God's Holy Spirit and his empowerment, um, Inside of you, I'm going to display the fruit of the Spirit, and I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to love. I'm not going to be envious. I'm, I'm not going to parade myself. I'm not going to be puffed up. I'm not going to be rude. You know, does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoke. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. And so, each of those components that that make up love. It's our decision each and every single day. Even like the video that we watch, God has given us a, a free will to make a decision. So t- today and then as you go into your, your workforce um, tomorrow, you have that decision to, to be loving. And Paul says, pursue it. Go after it. And you may say, that's difficult because you don't know who I work with. I think the people I work with are related to Satan. <laughs> I think so. Yes, and that's why we need to bow our knee to the Lord before we leave that house. And just saying, God, I bow my knee to you, Lord, because without you, Lord, I'm not going to be nice. I'm not going to be kind. I'm not going to be patient. I'm not going to be level-headed. But Lord, through you, I can't do this. And and my life here on earth is so short, and I want to be a witness and leave a legacy of godliness in the environments that you have called me to. And God has called you that to that environment. So spread his love. And and that's what he's encouraging the, the Corinthians to do. Pursue love. Make it a willful decision each and every single day. And then as you make that decision, then you praise the Lord. Lord, now would you give me those gifts? I desire gifts because it's through those gifts that open doors occur so I could be a blessing to other people. And I want to minister to other people. And so that's how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to pursue love, being loving people, and then desire gifts. And a lot of times we get it backwards. We're like, I want to be gifted in this area. I want to do this and do that. No, don't do be. Be. Be loving and then do. And um, a lot of people, and even in the church, and um, we get it so backwards. And so it's so important to be and then do. And then they hold hands. That's how it works. And that's what Paul is, is encouraging, to desire the gifts. Throughout the Bible, it speaks about the different gifts that, that God offers to his people. In the book of Romans, for example, chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, we have the gifts um, listed there. 
We have the gifts listed also in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11, and then also in this book, in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 4 11, we have the gifts. So there's a variety of different gifts, and the Lord has given his gifts, um, and so we're to desire them, but we're called to pursue, pursue love. You know, it is a beautiful thing when you have a loving heart and a loving vessel that is operating their gifts. Oh, it's so beautiful. And it's just so beautiful. But when you have someone operating the gift and they're not loving, it propels you. It it smells. It's not kind. It's not loving. And that's what the Lord wants for you. And that's what the Lord wants for me. And it starts with me. And it is so important. So one gift that that Paul says, hey, you got to really, really want. And it, uh, it says in verse 14, um, that gift is prophecy, but especially that that you may prophesy. Now, why would Paul say that he really wants them to desire that gift of prophecy? Well, we're going to get into that when we get to verses 3 and 4. So the first point that Paul says, the first instruction for them and for us in a very practical way this day in the 21st century, that we too are called to pursue love and desire a gift. Number two, number two, the, 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 the second instruction that Paul encourages them and for us this day is that it's found in verse two that we are called to know that the, the gift of tongue is a gift that is used to speak to God. And I, and I think the body of Christ needs clarity on this, biblical clarity on this. And we, we have it in um, verse 2. Verse 2 speaks about that. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man. Yeah, that's important. But to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So notice that Paul says with the gift of tongue, that person, when he's exercising that particular gift, he's addressing God alone and not man. It's not to man. As Paul says that if you would speak that in like in a congregation, if, if right now I just like kind of go off and like, you know, say that, you know, speaking to tongues, you know, oh, she rode a Honda, she rode a Honda or, you know, or, or um, tell me another car, <laughs> she rode a BMW, you know, whatever. And, and I'm trying to, to, to mock a gift, but, but if do that, it, it, as Paul says in verse two, it's a mystery. They don't understand it, but that gift is for, is for that person alone to be in their prayer closet alone with the Lord um, and speaking to God because God is the one that understands. It. And that's what he says in verse two. He's very uh, crystal clear about that. He's the one that hears it. He hears it and man won't get it. Man will be like, huh? What? What are you talking about? It, that's kind of a, like, it's like a, a, a baby talking. I can't understand it. I can't comprehend it. Or not, man is not supposed to comprehend it, but God gets it. God comprehends it. The, the Lord says, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know exactly what you're saying, my son and my daughter. You're speaking to me. And so the, the, the Corinthians, they, they were all about this gift of prophecy. They were all about this gift of prophecy because they, they like to speak like another language. It's like, you know, anyone else that says, hey, I speak two languages, three languages. We view them like, oh, wow, you must be like very mature. You, you could speak a couple languages. Well, in the same real way, that's what the Corinthians were doing. But for them, it was like spiritual maturity. Like, oh, I'm spiritually mature. Because I can speak my, my everyday language, and then I can speak in this supernatural tongue, tongue language. And so they were showing it off. They would be like, oh, watch this. Listen up. Are you listening? Are you listening? Okay, you listening over here? Okay, watch. <laughs> and they would, they would do their thing. And so what they wanted to do is display spiritual maturity. But what they lacked is they, they lacked spiritual unity. So what they gave up, they gave up unity 
for their selfishness um, trying to exercise that particular gift. And God the Father, God the Father, our Heavenly Father, He's all about unity, not dividing. He's all about unity and not dividing. Any father in here or grandparent in here or if you have nieces and nephews too within your family, you know that to be true. It just stinks. It's just bad when, when the kids are not getting along. You know that air in that room when you walk in, you're like, okay, there's tension in here. Hello. I think I'm going to go get a burrito somewhere. You know, it's because that when there's not unity, um, that, that's, 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 it's lacking. It is, there's, there's tension. And, and the Bible speaks about how when there is unity, it's pleasant. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. The, the Lord wants his churches to be unified, the congregations to, to be unified. Why? Because it's pleasant. He doesn't want someone to have this, this immature spiritual maturity and just saying, oh, it's about me and my gift and, and now kiss my ring because I am so special. No, everyone's special in the eyes of God. And there's not one gift that's higher than the other gift. And I think we're, some of us are going to be shocked when eventually when we get to heaven and when we're all going to go through what is called the Bema Seat of Christ. And I mentioned this before. Um, it's important to know this. What are you going to do when you get to heaven? Number one, when you get to heaven, Jesus is going to be there and it's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And then enter into the joy of the Lord. And then you know, when we're all together, we're going to eat at, at the, the marriage feast of the Lamb. And I've said this a number of times and I'll say it again. I hope they have carne asada there. <laughs> Tortillas and salsa and Kool-Aid. Um, and then so we're right there. We're at the marriage feast of the Lamb. And then we're going to move over to the Bema Seat of the Christ and the beam of the Christ is that you're going to get rewarded for your your um, your gifts and talents your, that God has given to you um, because um, we've been creating Christ Jesus to do good works Ephesians two, chapter two verse ten speaks about and so then you we're going to be you know receiving the words and so he calls he will call people by the name he's going to call someone and you're going to be maybe shocked and is this this um, lady or this man. Their gift was prayer, and they just sought God, and they prayed for the churches and sought the Lord, and, and you never know. Or, or they're the one that works out of school or, um, or works in the community and just opens the door. Or, or I love those that um, those crossing guards um, folks. Say hi to them, by the way, when you pass by them, and especially if it's been hot out there and they're, they're sitting there and... Um, and um, and, and, and that may be their gift that God has called them to. Just make sure that people get um, to safety and they cross you know, over, over the street. So you, you never know the gift that God has called them to. And, and so, but we're, we're called to exercise the gift that God has called, called us to. And so no gift is, is more important than another. The body of Christ, man, why do we do this? We, we make gifts um, higher than, than other gifts or, or, or people, rather, that have this gift or the gift of a pastorate or the gift of a, a missionary. That No. You know, the ones in children's ministry right now, man, they have a huge gift. And, or the ones that, that get up first thing here in the morning and lay these cables and cords, that's huge. And um, and parking lot and security and all the, the different ministries of the church that, 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 that we have. But everybody's important. I'm not more important than, than an usher. You need to know that. I'm not more important than, than a person that picks up trash. I'm equal. I just exercise my gift, and they exercise their gift, and together we do it together, and it's pleasant. John 21, verse 20 says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, 
are in me and I in you, and they also may be one. God calls the body of Christ to be one, not to be separate, not to be separate. And, and it is our prayer at this church that we will get along. We will get along with each other here and get along with churches, especially those that um, hold to the fundamentals of the historical Christian faith. And so it's important. It's important to, to not divide, but to, to unify. And, and so every father knows that. In the Corinthians, they were, they were not unified. They were divided. And God wants us to be to be unified. He doesn't want someone that has a gift to have a, a spiritual air of arrogance. But he wants them to have love, to choose love, to choose truth, to be united. And that's God's heart. Now, number three, the third instruction that we will observe, it's found in verses three and four, is the importance of the gift of prophecy. Now we're going to learn about, okay, Paul, you're really like putting up the gift of prophecy. Why, Paul? Well, let's look at verses three and four that answers the why question. But he who prophesies speaks edification, that's why, exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And notice this, but he who um, prophesies edifies what? The church, the body, multiple um, people. That's why he's emphasizing um, prophecy. So he, he says that the gift of prophecy is directed to other people, not to a person, but to other people, not to himself, but to others in three ways. First, to edification, it edifies. What does it mean to, to edify other people? To, to have edification, it is the, the act of building up others. You build up others. You don't tear them down, you build them up. You, you promote another's growth to have wisdom and to have holiness, and you encourage them in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if someone comes to you and they say, oh, I have a word for you. I want to prophesy. And they, and they tear you down. That's not the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is edification. Secondly, exhortation. What is exhortation? Exhortation is a gift that encourages people towards obedience, towards action, towards, hey, let's win this war for Jesus. Um, let's further his kingdom. People need the Lord. And you exhort people. You rally the truth and like we're in God's army. I'm in God's army. Let's march, you know, according to his drumbeat and let's win the war for Christ. That's a gift of exhortation. You're, exert, you're encouraging people, get up. The Bible doesn't want us to be um, isolated people, but be unified people, and let's lock arms and let's let's um, serve Jesus. And lastly, the gift of prophecy it brings comfort to people. People need comfort. This is a day and age where people need comfort more and more. Comfort means to to calm someone down, to put your hand upon their shoulder and just say it's going to be okay. The Lord is a shepherd and who walks with you through the valley. You're not by yourself. And, and, and to comfort someone means that you carry the load with them. And you point them to the Lord and, and, and saying, he's your refuge. He's your strength. He will anchor you in the storm. He's your anchor. And he loves you and he's for you. And you provide a listening ear and you give them words um, of encouragement from scriptures or you play a worship song to them or you sing to them and, and you worship with them. So you'll uplift them. And that's, that's what it does. So, so having this gift of prophecy is, is part of comforting other people. And the gift of prophecy is so wonderful. It's so beautiful because it builds up the body of Christ. As it says in verse 3, it builds up the body of Christ. Um, I'm sorry, verse 4, it edifies the body of Christ, whereas a gift of tongue only provides personal edification. So that's why, that's why Paul's saying you um, desire this gift of uh, prophecy. Because prophecy, what it does is it, it, it speaks forth the mind of Christ. 
it, it's, it's God's mouthpiece. You prophesy, you're a prophet. And so we have all these different prophets in the Old Testament, um, Jeremiah and Isaiah. And, and so they're God's mouthpiece. And so we want to hear from God. And we, we want God to edify us and exhort us and to comfort us. And, and may I encourage you that, that you could be edified and encouraged and exhorted and receive comfort too. Because we can know the mind of God. We can know the heart of God. And you're like, we can we can through the scriptures. God has given us his holy word. And if you want to know all about the Lord, get into the book. Get into the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 speaks about that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, or woman of God, if you will, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, or complete. You could be complete in Christ Jesus. I, I'm one that I think there's a lot of um, human beings out there that are incomplete. They're lacking in one way or another, maybe through their upbringing or not maybe like myself, not having a dad in your life when you grew up. And, and so some areas that you lack. And so those areas that you lack need to be complete in Christ. So the Lord fills in the blank. The Lord fills in that gap. And then the person can be complete in him. And so being complete in the Lord is so, so important. Now, number four, no, number four, uh, we see in verse five. Number four, we see in verse five, the, the, the fourth instruction. The fourth instru instruction is speaking to God. We see that in verse five. Notice with me, verse five. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongue, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So Paul, why would, why would Paul wish and, and want that they all spoke with tongues? Well, because Paul knew firsthand the value, the value it, it, it is to speak in tongues so you would have the purpose to unfold your heart and your burdens before God. Because you speak in that language and it's just you and God and you you crying out to him, Abba, Father, and you 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 inside of you you have the this this heaviness. It's like lifting weights and you have these fortified plates and they're just weighing upon your heart and your mind is thinking on things and, and when your mind thinks upon things, it affects your emotion and affects your heart. Your heart is so weighed down and it has to give. It has to give, not by smoking, not by drinking, but it has to give, and you give it to God. That's where it gives. That's the outlet. It has to be relieved. It has to be channeled somewhere. And so Paul says, I, I would want you to, to speak in tongues, to channel that, to relieve that. It's that valve. Release that valve of your heart unto the Lord so you don't go crazy. You don't snap. You don't pop. <laughs> you, know, you, you give it to God. And, and, and know, um, for, for those that, that have that gift of tongues, you, you know what Paul's speaking about here. But also know, for those that do not, we do have a, a means to unburden our heart, and, and that is with the gift of prayer, that we have access to the, to the throne room of the Lord. And just like Ruben alluded to, and we had a, um, a, a devotion on this last, last Thursday, and um, I'm right now just enraptured in, in with that song, what a friend that we have in Jesus. To take our sins and griefs he wore. What a privilege 
It is to come to him with everything in prayer. And so we have a friend in Jesus that we could come to him and give him everything to him in prayer. And we have been given that access. And a lot of us, we haven't taken it. Take it. Go through those doors. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 gives us the invitation. So you all got the invite. So the invitation is, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help. And I love these um, four words, in time of need. Do you have a time of need? Then go boldly to the, to the throne room of God and just say, come, Father. Come, Abba, Father, if you want. Father, this is really troubling me, Father. Would you be the strength in my life? Every day I look to you to be the strength in my life. Be the strength in my life. You know, we, we in the ministry, we, we, we do have burdens we carry. But I was talking to my wife um, last week, and we were, we were having a conversation about the, the uh, minister that um, chose to take his life. And, um, but I say, you know, in every profession has their, their burdens. Teachers have their burdens. With administration, with parents also. And um, if people are in law enforcement, I'm closely working with police officers and, and uh, fire personnel, they have things that they see that the average human being, they don't see. They can't necessarily take, take those stories home to their, to their wife. They don't need to necessarily need to hear those stories, what they saw and what they felt and what they experienced, but they got to take it somewhere. And they got to take it somewhere. They, they have their burdens and, and, and difficulties too. And so being a homeschool mom, we talked about this too. That's difficult. Anyone they've tried to be home to, you know, your, your, your little mijo, your little mija, you know, be with them all day long. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, you know, they could get to you. But you know what though? We love them. We love unconditionally. And we're saying, Lord, I, I'm burdened. You got to let it out somewhere. You let it to the Lord. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting. All your cares upon, for he cares for you. There's a lot of uh, people, that, uh, especially men, they're, they're, they're good fishermen. They, 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 they cast it, they, you know, that, that line with, with that bait. You know what? Let's be fishermen with Jesus. Let's cast our cares to the Lord and give it to him. And his, his hands are open wide. And, and Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you Rest. The word rest is a beautiful word. Take my yoke upon uh, you and learn of me. And that's the problem right there. A lot of people, they don't know of Jesus. How do you serve someone you don't know? And so that's one of the, um, the, the, the visions of this church, that we come here to learn of him and to grow in him and to share him with other people. For Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then number five, number five, we're almost done here. Number five, and we see this in verses six through 11, the importance of being understood, the importance of being understood. Verses six through 11, Paul writes, but now brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, they... Uh, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue 
words easy to understand. How will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to you who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. So Paul does in, in these um, verses, verses 6 through 11, Paul gives three illustrations, three illustrations in those verses um, so people could, could will get it and understand where, where you need to be crystal clear. So he gives the first illustration of, of a musical instrument. Um, the second um, illustration he gives is a trumpet, and, and the last one is, a, uh, is using daily language, having daily language. So the first one is a musical instrument. Notice with me in verse 7. Notice with me in verse 7. Look down at verse 7 and notice this with me. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? So musical instruments must have a certain pitch and beat. And, and when they have that certain um, pitch or beat, it communicates a song. It communicates a song. If a musical instrument does not have a clear and a distinct sound, nobody will recognize the music that is being made. It's just, it'll be just noise. Let me give you an example of this. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going <laughs> to take Ruben's guitar. Yeah, I'm going to take Ruben's guitar. And I'm going to be one that... Um, Oh, this is nice. Hi, guitar. Now, I'm going to try this. Mind you, I don't know how to play the guitar. So, on my own little world, back to the future. <laughs> Remember that part? He like, slides across the stage, and we're like, okay. You can't understand what I'm doing. You don't understand. There's, I, I can't do a pitch. So, it's like, okay. What are you trying to do here, Joe? But let me give it into the hands of someone that can. But don't sing. We're, we're gonna we're gonna sing. No, because you, the point is you're gonna understand the pitch. As you understand the pitch, you're gonna get it, and you're able to follow along. So here we go. Okay, point given. Okay, <laughs> thank you. All right, thank you. A live prop today. Yeah, thank you. That's Paul's point. It was saying that you have a musical instrument. If you don't have a, a clear and a distinct sound, a rhythm, you don't understand it. And so the second illustration he gives is, is a trumpet, and specifically those that are um, uh, those are soldiers. And any any soldier in here that, uh, especially if you've been in a battle, you you have an ear to to listen to a trumpet. And we see that in verse in verse eight. And verse eight says, "For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle?" 
The trumpet has to make a clear, distinct sound. The sound of a trumpet in a military sense must be clear so the soldiers would know whether they are called to retreat or to charge forward. So they could understand, they could get it, they, 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 they need to know what is um, the, the sounding of it. And lastly, the, the sound of language. And we see that in verse 11. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner, foreigner to me. And any legitimate language has meaning to someone who knows that language so they can hear and then act accordingly. I don't know if, if any of you ever traveled abroad and you've been to a country where you don't really know that language and you wouldn't know how to get it wrong. You'd be like, okay, I'm totally lost. I, I can't understand. I, I don't know. Um, many years ago, um, when I first entered the ministry, I, I was called to, to go to Japan for, for a few weeks and that really became true to me of this verse. Like, I don't speak Japanese. Um, and so I, I, I couldn't ask somebody for di- direction unless they spoke English, of course. But when you don't get another person's language, but uh, this Japanese person, if they spoke to another Japanese person, like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Go here and there. And I'll be like, okay, I, I don't get it. And, and, and so having the understanding of a language is huge. So Paul's point of using these three illustrations, it's for the people in the church. Can, um, and, and so he, he wants them to know that in order for the church to be built up and to receive profit and, and edification, you need to be clear to them. And so that's why prophecy is so important versus specifically to just the, the gift of tongue. And God is one that wants to give us clarity. And God has gives us direction. For Isaiah, I mean, um, Jeremiah 29 and 11, he says, for, for, for the, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a hope and give you a future. God has given us marching orders. God has given us his heart. God has given us his ways. God has given us his mind. It's, it's so crystal clear and it's in the word of God and we just need to take it. If you take it, you run with it and, and you will definitely have a blessed life for sure. And now we're going to conclude with verse 12, the sixth instruction that Paul gives. And that's the importance of edifying. Edifying people, encourage people. We're called to edify people. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to redirect their their zeal off spiritual gifts for selfish reasons and redirect it for, for people so they could be edified and built up in the body of Christ. He does not want them to exercise gifts to draw attention to themselves. And gifts are intended to build up the body of Christ, to excel, to, to encourage the people for the glory of God. Even 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So the Spirit of God reveals His gifts to you for the purpose of edification for other people. And it's done in a heart of love. It's soaked in love. It's coated in love. And so as we wrap up now, may we, may I desire gifts. Why do you want gifts? Because I want to build up the body of Christ. Because I love the people around me. I love the people in the different churches and I want to build them up. And I want to pursue love I want to pursue love so the people know that when I encourage them, I love them. I'm not using them. I love them so much. I love them, and because I love them, I want to see them built up in Christ. And so 
when we attend church. Let, let's, let's have this now moving forward. When we attend church, it's for the purpose to build somebody up. So when we get up in the morning, it's a Sunday, we get up thinking, thank you, Lord, this is another day you have given me that I'm able to go to church to exercise a gift to build somebody up, to pray with someone, to ask them how was their week last week, to love upon them, especially if they have opened up their heart to you and shared with you that they're going through a difficult time. And so not only we attend church to be built up in the things of the Lord Jesus Christ through the scriptures and to worship the, the, the Lord through worship, but we come here to church being a participant, saying, I'm going to go find somebody. I'm going to build them up. I'm going to encourage them in the Lord Jesus Christ. Like he built me up, I'm going to build up others. And so let's lead today. Let's lead today with a, new, a renewed passion, a renewed passion and with a new renewed vision to pursue love, desire gifts, so we can make a difference in people's lives. And let's do eternal work together. Amen.